Well, as I was preparing this message, a story that I heard years ago came to my mind. It's that old, um, probably one of my pastors told it, but um, he was talking about the different ways that pastors used to be paid. Now, today we get direct deposit. You know, I mean, it's pretty high tech and all that good stuff, but Back in the day when there were country preachers that would go from church to church and preach, it wasn't so simple. And so the story goes that three country preachers were talking about how they decided what their salary would be versus what they would leave with the church for the rest of God's work. And so one of the three pastors said, well, it's very simple. We go outside, we draw a circle on the ground, we throw the offering in the air, and what comes down inside the circle is what I keep, and what comes down outside the circle is what we keep for God's work. And the second uh, pastor said, well, we do a similar thing. We draw the circle, but what comes down outside the circle is my salary. What comes down inside the circle we keep for God's work. The third pastor said, well, we throw the offering in the air. God takes what he wants for his work, and whatever comes down (laughs) is my salary. Well, different churches do different things. I remember a friend of mine who was a pastor in Las Vegas saying that uh, preaching to a church in Las Vegas is very similar except on payday. He said on payday they would give him a couple of rolls of quarters and say, good luck. And... uh, But I don't think that was true, nor do I think the fact that they had slot machines in the lobby for the tithe was a uh, true statement. But, you know, people do... uh, have taken offerings differently over the years. Today, some will put their offerings in the offering bag when it's passed later in the service, and about half of our people give online or using our app, or some will use the kiosk in the hallway, but some churches don't pass uh, an offering bag at all. They just have a collection box at the doors for people to drop their offering in. But I went to a church in California years ago, and um, when it came time for the offering, the pastor got up and said this. He said, it's time for the offering, and I want you to take one of those offering envelopes, and I want you to fill it up. And I don't want to hear any change rattling. I want to just hear bills and write checks, and I want you to fill that offering envelope up. He gave them a little time to do that. And then he said this, I kid you not. He said, everyone who's going to give today, stand up. Well, I was a guest. I wasn't going to give, so I kept my seat. But everybody else in the room stood up, and he said, well, not everybody, but it looked like everybody from where I was sitting. He said, now take that offering envelope and wave it in the air at God. Let's do a wave offering to God. And everybody waved their offering envelope. And I had to wonder how many empty offering envelopes were waving at God (laughs) right, right at that moment. You know, I mean, just had to wonder. And then... The pastor stood at the front with a tray and everybody paraded up and put their offering in the plate that the pastor was holding. That just sounds uncomfortable, doesn't it? That just sounds uncomfortable. I mean, having a pastor watch you put your offering in I I just agree, that's really uncomfortable. I would be uncomfortable being the pastor holding the offering bag or the offering tray. 
But history and passages in the Bible seem to say that was the method of taking the offering in Jesus' day. That that was the method of taking the offering in Jesus' day. Look at Mark chapter 12, verse 41 says this, Jesus sat near the temple collection box and watched as people put money into it. And some think that Jesus just happened to be sitting there that day. But again, it seems to be the way that they took the offering. If you look at Acts chapter 5, at the story of Ananias and Sapphira, you will see that Peter seems to be standing there when Ananias brings their offering. And history would tell us that in the temple, they may have had several different collection boxes. And a rabbi or a priest would stand next to each box watching what people dropped in. Apparently, that's what Jesus was doing this day uh, as he sat there near the collection box. Now, don't worry, we're not planning to start that practice here. Uh, It may have worked back then, but I don't think it's something that we should consider today. But I do want to talk to you about what happened that day when Jesus was sitting there watching what people put into the collection box. Yes, I'm going to talk about giving today. I normally do a series this time of year. We're not going to do a series this year, just this message. And uh, my main reason for sharing this passage is because in this story, we're going to meet one of our nameless difference makers, someone who can teach us many things. And so let's read this whole passage from Mark chapter 12, verse 41 through 44. Here's what it says. Jesus sat near the temple collection box and watched as people put money into it. Many rich people put in a lot of money. Then a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth less than a penny. Jesus called his followers to him and he said, this poor widow put in only two small coins, but the truth is she gave more than all those rich people. They have plenty, and they gave only what they did not need. This woman is very poor, but she gave all she had. It was money she needed to live on. So Jesus is sitting there, And he's watching, and he watches some people put in large gifts, and other people put in just what they feel required to put in. But then this poor widow comes in, and she puts in only two small coins, the smallest coins that they had in that time, the the coins that were worth the, the least of any coin that they had. And None of the givers in this passage are named, not the wealthy ones and not this widow. But Jesus noticed several things as he sat there and watched that day what people gave. So let's look at some of the things Jesus noticed that day. First, Jesus noticed what was happening. He noticed what was happening. Now, this is pretty obvious, but look at verses 41 and 42 one more time. Jesus sat near the temple collection box, and he watched as people put money into it. Many rich people put in a lot of money. Then a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth less than a penny. Now, this may seem kind of obvious, but what Jesus was noticing was happening right then. 
It was happening right then. When Jesus was dealing, uh, what he was dealing with that day was what was happening that day. It wasn't about what they had done in the past or what they would do in the future. It was about what they were doing right then. And that leads us to an important lesson. Write this down. Being a difference maker means doing what God wants right now. It means doing what God wants right now. And sometimes we're more concerned about the future or about the past than we are about the here and now. Some people spend a lot of time talking about how they served God in big ways several years ago. I mean, they went on a missions trip uh, several years ago, or they volunteered hours of time to teach or to serve in some way, but they aren't doing very much right now. Other people talk about what they plan to do in the future, you know, when the kids get into school or when the kids get out of school or when we retire. Someday in the future, we will be able to do big things for God. And this is uh, a big thing I hear from people regarding their giving also. Occasionally, people will tell great stories of how they really gave a big sacrificial offering in the past, but most times, I hear about people having great intentions to give in the future. You know, they say, well, we will give to God the way the Bible teaches when I get a better job or when we get out of debt or when we're done paying off our college loans. Or they say, you know, pastor, if I win the lottery, I'm going to give this huge gift to the church. And they have great intentions for the future but they might be missing what Jesus wants them to do right now. This story shows that Jesus noticed what was happening right then, and I think he notices what we are doing for him right now. If we want to be a difference maker, we need to do what God is asking us to do right now. God asks all of us to take steps for him at times when it just seems uncomfortable, or at times when it seems difficult to take those steps, or maybe even at times when in our minds we think it's absolutely impossible. He notices when we delay doing what he asks. He notices what we're doing right now. There's something else that Jesus saw that day, and that is he noticed their hearts. He noticed their hearts. Jesus didn't just notice what they gave, but he noticed how they gave it. In fact, some people say that the proper translation for verse 41 is uh, that Jesus sat near the temple collection box and he watched not as people put money in it, but watched at how people put money in it. Many of the scholars believe that the boxes that they had in the temple had funnels on the top, perhaps made out of the horn of an animal, and uh, that that was built into the top of the box. And since people would have all been giving coins at that time, some would be giving silver coins, and some would be giving gold coins, and some like this widow would be giving copper coins, and all of those coins would make a different sound as they dropped in to the collection box. And so when a rich person gave, it would be many gold or silver coins, and that would make a loud noise, and people would know that they were giving a lot, but when a poor person gave, it might just be a couple of 
small clunks, and people would know that they didn't give much, and probably that they didn't have much. So I'm guessing there were a lot of different motives for giving in the hearts of people who were giving that day. And I'm just guessing people give with different hearts today too. Some people give out of obligation, feeling that they just have to do their part or feeling guilty if they don't. Some people give out of habit. They've been giving the same amount for many years and it's just part of their ritual now. And some people that day gave to impress. I think sometimes that's the motive of givers today, some givers. And some give because they agree with what's going on and they stop giving if they get upset by something that's going on. And there's a lot going on in the hearts of people who give. And Jesus noticed their hearts that day. He noticed their hearts. He knew what was going on inside. And I think he knew the heart of this widow was pure. I think he knew that her motives were great motives for giving. She could have used any number of excuses for not giving that day. In fact, she could have used the sermon that Jesus just had preached. If you read the verses before this story, you will see that Jesus had just finished teaching And while he was teaching, he had warned them about some of the religious leaders. He said some of the religious leaders pretend to be good. They pretend to be righteous. They pretend to be holy. And then he said some of these same religious leaders didn't have the right heart, didn't have a heart of compassion, and they would even repossess homes of widows. And maybe this widow was one who had lost her home. But still she came to the offering box and she gave. And I think Jesus is going to point her out as an example to us because he knew that her heart was right. She was giving as an act of worship. She was giving out of a heart of love. This brings us to another lesson that we can learn from this event. Being a difference maker means developing the right attitude. It means developing the right attitude. Having the right attitude is important in every aspect of our relationship with Jesus. It's important in every aspect of our relationship with Jesus. But I think it's especially important when it comes to our finances and to our giving. 2 Corinthians 9 says this, Each of you must make up your own mind about how much to give, but don't feel sorry that you must give, and don't feel that you are forced to give. God loves people who love to give. Now, this is such an important verse, but I think it's been totally misused by some followers of Jesus today. I mean, some have taught this verse means that if you can't feel good about giving, you just shouldn't give. Or that you can ignore what the Bible teaches about giving if you want to ignore it because you can just decide what you want to give. And I think this verse says something totally different than that. I think it's saying something totally different. I think it tells me how I should feel about giving when I have a right relationship with Jesus. It tells me what a person with a right relationship with Jesus is going to feel about giving. When I have a right relationship with Jesus, I love to give. 
It makes me happy or cheerful. I don't feel forced to give. I feel privileged to have the chance to express love to God through giving as his word teaches. And I give out of a heart of love. One of the people in my life that made a difference in my life that showed the heart of giving was a lady in our first, uh, the first church that I was the lead pastor of. Her name was Eudora. And Eudora was probably 50, maybe 60 years old at that time. But Eudora had special needs. And um, Eudora um, would come to church every week and she would bring with her a little tiny offering envelope. And I discovered later on that Eudora was given a $5 a week allowance. And... um, That's what she had, her spending money. And every week, that little envelope that Eudora brought had $3 that she would give to Jesus. And there never seemed to be anybody more excited about the offering than Eudora. It's just $3. About $150 a year. 60% of her spending money, but it was the heart of love that made the difference. It was the heart and enthusiasm about worshiping Jesus through giving that was so uh, inspiring. And I think that is the heart Jesus noticed when this poor widow gave that day. She was very poor. She couldn't afford to give, but she had developed the right attitude. She gave out of a heart of love and worship. That brings us to the next thing that Jesus noticed in this passage. Jesus noticed what was left. He noticed what was left. Look back at verses 43 and 44. Jesus called his followers to him and he said, this poor widow put in only two small coins, but the truth is she gave more than all those rich people. They have plenty and they gave only what they did not need. This woman is very poor, but she gave all she had. It was money she needed to live on. Notice what Jesus did that day. It's shocking, really, when you understand what he did. He watches all of those wealthy people give, and they gave big gifts, and then he sees this widow, and he calls over his disciples, and Jesus pointed to her and said, the plain truth is, this widow has given the largest offering today. All these others made offerings they will never miss, but she extravagantly gave what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. Everyone else had some money left over, but she gave everything she had to live on. She had nothing left. You know, sometimes people think that we overemphasize the biblical teaching of giving 10% or the tithe as the starting point for Christian giving. And the truth is, we might overemphasize it. That's the truth, but... We might overemphasize it, not for the reasons some accuse us of. Those who accuse us of overemphasizing it usually are trying to find a way to say that that's too much to ask people to give. And they try to twist scripture to say that it's okay for people to give less. But the reason I say we overemphasize it is I can't find anyone in the New Testament who lived after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection that followed him fully and only gave 10%. I can't find anybody in the New Testament that gave 
that little. They all seem to give more. You see, most early Christians gave far more than that. And Jesus noticed what they had left over that day. He noticed the people who gave money that they would never miss, that they would never need. And that is what he said about the other gifts that day. He noticed not just what they were giving, but what they were keeping for themselves. And that brings us to another lesson. Being a difference maker means demonstrating the right commitment. It means demonstrating the right commitment. And demonstrating the right commitment means, I think, not just about what I give, but how I use what I keep. God wants me to use all of my money to honor him. Sure, he wants me to take care of the needs of my family. That's a biblical obligation. But taking care of the needs of my family is far different than taking care of the greeds of my family. Providing what my family needs is far different than providing what my family wants. And though uh, I work hard to give significantly and I work hard to give sacrificially to God, I still get concerned sometimes about how I waste the money that I keep. God's still working on me on this. And he has worked on me in several ways over the years. It would bother me to pay more for a car payment each month than I give to God. It would bother me to pay more in taxes each year than I give to God. These are some of the struggles that God has helped me work through and he's challenged me and he's stretched me in this area. But let's just be clear. This widow gave more than what she had to give. She didn't have to give as much as she gave. She had two coins to her name and neither of those coins was worth much, but she had two. And that means she had to make a choice. And it was a different choice than if she had just had one. You see, she could have given just one coin because she had two. And that still would have been giving 50% of what she had to live on. That would still be a pretty significant gift. But having two meant a different kind of choice. Having one coin would have meant the choice of do I give or do I not give at all? But having two coins meant the, the choice of how much should I give. It meant that she was choosing whether to give some and keep some or whether to give it all. And nothing obligated her to give it all, but she did. She gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford to give. And Jesus noticed what she and others had left that day. They noticed what she had left after she gave and he pointed to her as a positive example. It seems to me that her example ought to quiet the complaints about being asked to start out by giving 10% of what we earn while keeping 90%. There's one more thing Jesus saw that day. Jesus noticed their levels of trust. He noticed their levels of trust. They gave what they would never need. And she gave what she needed to live through that week. Their giving showed that they were trusting in themselves and what they had, but she was trusting God to take care of her. Her offering said, I'm going to force myself to have to trust God. I have nothing, and so if God doesn't provide, I will starve to death. I wonder if as she was dropping in the coins, if she was thinking of what that verse in Psalm 145 says, 
about God. Here's what it says, everyone depends on you. And when the time is right, you provide them with food by your own hand. You satisfy the desires of all who live. I'm guessing, I'm guessing that evening if she prayed the prayer that Jesus had taught people to pray, you know, if she prayed and said, give us this day our daily bread, that that prayer meant something totally different to her than what it means when we pray that prayer today. She totally and completely trusted God because she had no other choice. She just had no other choice. That leads us to another lesson. Being a difference maker means depending on the right person. It means depending on the right person. Have you ever put yourself in the position of having to depend on God completely? Instead of depending on yourself, have you ever put yourself in the position of having to trust God like this woman had to trust God? I I heard a preacher when I was in college talk about these verses, and he said, if you want to know how this widow felt, take every dollar and every coin that you have today in your pocket and put it in the offering. He said, that means the money that you plan to use to go out to dinner uh, after church and the money that you'd plan to put in your gas tank, put every penny in the offering plate. It was an interesting challenge, but it really wouldn't have worked that way for most of us. I mean, because most of us don't use cash anyway. And if we did put every penny we had, we'd just go to the ATM and get some more. Right? So to experience what this widow experienced today, we would have to give every penny in our pocket and every penny in our checking account and every penny in our savings account, every penny in our retirement fund, and every penny in our penny jar at home I'm not saying that that's what God is asking you to do today. I am not even asking you to do that today. But I do think God wants us to depend on him completely. I think he wants us to intentionally put ourselves in a position where we have to trust him. I do think he wants us to quit trying to take care of our own needs and to trust ourselves and follow him fully and uh, to put ourselves in a position where we're forced to trust him in some way. And God can be trusted. He can be trusted. While thanking them for giving an offering to help with his work, Paul reminds the people of the Philippian church that they can trust God to take care of them. Look at this verse from Philippians 4. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. When you trust in God, when you stretch yourself to trust him enough to follow him fully in every area of your life, including the area of giving, God will supply all of your needs in Jesus. And here's the other cool part. This widow, who Jesus said gave the biggest offering that day, even though it seems so small to the others who were standing around, She not only had the joy uh, because of the love that she expressed through giving, but she also became a difference maker. I mean, here we are over 2,000 years later telling her story. We're pointing out her example just like 
Jesus did. And we're saying that her commitment was exemplary, that we should become like her in our love for God and in our trust for God and in our commitment to God. There's a story that I want to share with you as we close. And I I think the story has probably been stretched and added to over the years. But at least the base of the story is true. And so let me share it with you as I read it this week. A sobbing little girl stood near a small church from which she had been turned away because it was too crowded. I can't go to Sunday school, she sobbed to the preacher as he walked by. And the preacher, taking her by the hand, took her inside and found her a place in the corner of the crowded Sunday school class. And he leaned down and he whispered that someday they would have a bigger building with more space for all the kids to come to Sunday school. And the child was so touched that he went to bed that night thinking of the Uh, She went to bed that night thinking of the children who have no place to worship Jesus. About two years later, the child died of a disease in one of the poor tenement buildings, and the parents called that same preacher to handle her funeral. They told him that when they had cleaned her room and the area around her bed, they found a worn and crumpled red purse which seemed to have been retrieved from some trash dump somewhere. And inside they found 57 pennies and a note scribbled in childish handwriting which read, this is to help build the little church bigger so more children can go to Sunday school. For two years, she had saved this money to make a special offering. And when the preacher read that note, He was in tears, and he knew instantly what he wanted to do. And so carrying the note and the cracked red pocketbook to the pulpit, he told the story of her unselfish love and her devotion, and he challenged his church leaders to get busy raising enough money for a larger building. And they accepted the challenge, and they began to raise the money. But the story didn't end there. A newspaper learned of the story, and they published it, And it was read by a landowner who offered them a parcel of land worth many thousands of dollars. And when the landowner was told that the church couldn't afford to buy it, he offered to finance it, and he accepted 57 cents as the down payment. And church members made large donations, and checks came in from far and wide. And within five years of the little girl's gift, They had increased it to $250,000, which was a huge sum in the early 1900s. Her unselfish love had paid large dividends. And if you go to Philadelphia today, you can look up Grace Temple Baptist Church with a seating capacity of 3,300. And you'll see Temple University where hundreds of students are trained and Uh, you'll see their hospital where many people are cared for, and then you can view their Sunday school building, which houses hundreds of children each weekend so that no child in the area will ever need to be left outside during uh, Sunday school time. And in one of the rooms of the building, you can see a picture of little Hattie Mae Wyatt, the little girl who's 57 cents made such a remarkable history possible. And alongside it, you'll see the portrait of her kind preacher, Dr. Russell H. Conwell, author of the book, Acres of Diamonds, where this story is told. See, God took a very small gift 
and he multiplied it by combining it with others and changed hundreds of lives. And if God can do that with 57 pennies from a little girl, think what he can do through you. He will take your commitment and he'll combine it with my commitment and with the commitment of hundreds of others and then he will multiply it even further and lives will be changed. You can be a difference maker. But I want to go back and have you look at verse 41 one more time. Jesus sat near the temple collection box and he watched as people put money into it or how people put money in it. Jesus was watching what people were giving. Has it occurred to you, Jesus is still watching. I don't think he stopped watching. He's still noticing what's happening right now. He's noticing what's going on in our hearts and what we're keeping for ourselves. But mostly, I think he notices whether or not we've decided to depend on him, to trust him. Not just to talk about trusting him, but to really trust him. Let's pray.